Good evening. How's everybody doing? I think it said connection failed, so I may need you all to take up, take over up there. But all right. Well, we're going to get into it. Don't ignore the day of the Lord is coming. I'm going to read Zephaniah 1:14 through 18, and then we'll get back into the uh, actual lesson today here. The great day of the Lord is near. Near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Don't ignore the day of the Lord is coming. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we get into your lesson today, we've just heard a very heavy scripture in Zephaniah 1, 14 through 18. We've heard about the negative side of the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord being judgment, Lord God. I just pray that as we hear this message about the day of the Lord in Second Peter chapter 3, that we know we're ready, that we haven't ignored your command, God, who haven't ignored your word, Lord Jesus. God, be with us today. May you speak through me. May we be focused on the word and on you alone, God, right now. In this place, God, thank you so much for your word and the ability to be able to to listen to it, to hear it, to read it. God, you've been so generous to us by letting us have your word. We love you. Amen. Today we're going to be discussing the day of the Lord that is to come. There are approximately 23 verses that mention the day of the Lord verbatim and at least 75 plus others that kind of say that day or refer to the day of the Lord. Obviously, God wants us to know that that day is coming. He definitely has made it clear that it is. The Lord has mentioned, like the day of the Lord is really a time in which God will bring both judgment and blessing on the people of earth in a more direct and dramatic way than ever before. Many believe that this day of the Lord will commence after the rapture of the church and will include both the tribulation and the following millennial reign of Christ. And encompass more of a, a period of time than an actual literal day there. My purpose today is not to get into a theological discussion regarding the day of the Lord and differing interpretations that we may see about the end times. But instead, to encourage each one of us with the message that he is coming again. Amen. He is coming again. I pray that as we reflect on this day of the Lord that we see here, that we're spurred to action I pray that we don't ignore 
and that we don't ignore point one, God's prophets. Getting into verse one here in Second Peter three. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter tells his readers here to be stirred up in their in a sincere mind, in their sincere mind. The English word, if we're looking at sincere, actually comes from two Latin words, uh, sine and sera, which means without wax. And you're like, well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Well, if you look back in biblical times, they would use wax to cover places in pottery, cracked places, and, and it would be a cheap way to fix a broken vessel. Then they would try to sell them as a cover-up and say, oh, this is fine. And the way to be able to tell whether that was sincere pottery or it was good pottery would be to hold it up to the sun and to see if you could see those cracks, if you could see where the wax was covering it. Well, Peter here says he wants us to be stirred up and wants the, the readers here to be stirred up to a sincere mind. I would argue that it, is a, it needs to be a sun-judged mind or an S-O-N-judged mind, right? A, a mind that is sincere in its devotion to the gospel and to the truth of the word of God. He then proceeds to remind them about the predictions given from the apostles and the prophets of the Old Testament uh, and the apostles of that day. He warns them that there are going to be false teachers, or you see the word scoffers here, who will not only follow their own desires, but they'll even deny the day of the Lord was going to happen. They will question the prophecy of Scripture, and they'll state that it is irrelevant or untrue. My friends, do we see scoffers saying that prophecy and the, of the Scripture is untrue today? I think the answer would be a resounding yes, right? How timeless these Scriptures are. The very word scoffer, if we look, it, 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 the actual dictionary def- definition is someone who manifests contempt by insulting words or actions. Hmm, that sounds pretty common today. These people have contempt for the Word of God and the prophecies it gives. If we go on to 2 Thessalonians 2, we actually, uh, Paul talk about the day of the Lord here as well in the New Testament. And some will even falsely teach that it's already come, that the day of the Lord has already been here. And we see Paul say, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. We see, even in this early point in the church, there are false letters that are circulating, false prophets, false teachers, already trying to twist the scriptures and, and make people believe things that aren't there. Paul was very clear here to state that the day of the Lord had not come yet. And that there were going to be certain things that had to happen before the day of the Lord came. And we see here the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist was still to be revealed. And obviously we haven't seen that revealed yet either. And we see both Paul and Peter let us know that there will be accompanying signs that we need to be watching for before the day of the Lord. And we must not ignore God's prophets. 
The Roaring Twenties proved to be one of the most rapid expansions of stock market history. If you're any of you uh, history buffs, you'll know that it actually went up six-fold throughout that decade. Just skyrocketed. It reached a high of 381.2 on September 3rd, 1929. Many felt that this would continue on and on. However, it was U.S. Secretary, uh, Treasury Secretary Andrew Mellon who said, investors, quote, acted as if the price of securities would infinitely advance. And their faith in the market, for those of you that know the story, showed to be misplaced, right? On what is called Black Thursday, a free fall began. By July 8th, 1932, around three years after this fall had started, the Dow was down from that 381.2 to 41.22. That was a 90% loss from its record high. Did anybody see it coming? Well, there were signs that the crash was about to happen. There were many scoffers that falsely taught it wasn't. The signs were there were unethical trading practices. There, were, there was corruption noted among many of the big, large business owners. They were lying and falsifying their information in order to attain wealth. Wages were actually down, showing a, a not a good market. And the international views of the volatile market were becoming more negative. There were plenty of signs to see this was coming. In the same way that there were signs that presented themselves before this stock market crash in 1929, there will be signs that accompany the coming day of the Lord. Let us not fall into deception of false teachers. May we not ignore God's prophets of old that spoke the word of God. As I preached last week, we must weigh everything with Scripture. It all has to come back to it. Obviously, there are certain parts that are difficult to understand completely. However, we can hold fast to his promises. We know that he is coming back. We know that he is going to rapture his church and that we will be blessed to share eternal life with our Savior. Hmm. How glorious is that? We know that he will judge all, and we know that we will all have to approach the judgment seat of Christ. We will all stand before him. And knowing all of these truths presented through scripture, are we ignoring them? If we truly believe that he is coming to judge the living and the dead, how does that change our actions? We read these terrible judgments that come on the dreaded day of the Lord, as we read in Zephaniah, and it's also in many other places as we look in scripture, especially the Old Testament. We see the wrath of God being poured out. I pray that we listen to the prophets of God by reading and believing the word of God. And that action accompanies our beliefs. Not only should we not ignore God's prophets, but we must also not ignore God's president. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that means, and by, and by means of these, the world was, uh, that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The word president, not the president of the United States, it's a different word president, uh, with, it was up there before, but with a C, um, in the dictionary is defined as an earlier event or action that is regarded as an example or guide to be considered in subsequent similar circumstances. In this example, we see that what God said he would do before, he did. 
right? He said, to, he looked at Noah. He had Noah build an ark, right? He said, I'm going to send a flood. Did he send a flood? Yes, God keeps his promises. What he says, he does. And now we see God promises the day of the Lord. He promised not to destroy the world with water again. The word deluge there means flooded, if, if you're wondering what that word means. Now he promises fire. That is, that is the next one. As sure as he was faithful to that first great catastrophe, he will be faithful in his last by the same word, he declared the flood, and by the same word, he is declared the coming day of the Lord. Our God is a God who is unchanging, and he never fails to fulfill his promises. Lightning always precedes thunder, precedes before. Right? There, this is a president that we've noticed if we look back at the earliest of man's writings. Lightning, then thunder. Even before science was quote-unquote invented. We saw that. When lightning strikes, it heats the air around it up to up to 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's actually 40,000 degrees hotter than the surface of the sun. When it does that, it actually sends a shock wave of sound from it with the molecules just going crazy. And that is what we hear as thunder. The closer you are, the higher pitched it is. The further away you are, the more it rumbles. This weather pattern is predictable. Anyone who's seen lightning had has seen thunder, right? God is God of order and consistency. Obviously, we know that what God has prophesied, he will do. When you hear a word from the Lord, action will follow. The lightning of his word is always followed by the thunder of his action. The lightning of his word is always followed by the thunder of his action. I pray that we can remember God's president in any and every one of our circumstances, not only the negative ones as we see here, but also in the positive ones, his president that he sets in Scripture. We see in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Right? His president is there. He will provide that way out. If we go to Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He set a president. He loves us who are his. But the biggest question is, how do we know God's president to believe it in something like this? The day of the Lord, something large like this. The only way we can know God's president is to know his word. We can see how he providentially and sovereignly protected the Israelite people time and time again. We can see his prophecies of the coming Messiah as he points it out all the way from the book of Genesis. We start to see that. Genesis chapter 3. As we read his word, it will increase our faith by seeing that God is a God who is always faithful. What he says he does. He has spoken of this coming day of the Lord. And what he has spoken will come to fruition. Don't ignore God's president. As we look to God's president, we are reminded that God is also a God of mercy. I pray that we also don't ignore God's mercy. That we don't ignore God's mercy. In verse 8 and 9 we see here, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. 
and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen. This section of scripture is often misinterpreted to apply to time periods in the Bible. Some will in error state that the time periods in the Bible, such as in Genesis, among other books, may not be literal and may be more figurative in the scriptures because, after all, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. This is, in fact, not what the context of the scripture is saying. We see here that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to describe the incredible patience, the incredible patience of our Lord and Savior. He desires each one of us to come to repentance, and he desires none of us to enter hell. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, as we see in Ezekiel eighteen twenty three. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? We see God's mercy present even in the midst of the coming day of the Lord, even in the midst of what I, what I just stated in Zephaniah at the beginning of this message. Right now, he is patiently waiting so that some may not perish into eternal destruction. He is holding back his wrath as we speak at sin this very moment. We cannot understand God's patience and his mercy without understanding his judgment and hatred towards sin. He burns with fierce anger towards sin. The sin that, this sin that we're talking about took the earthly life of his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. His son had to suffer and pay the penalty for our sin. Although he was sinless, he suffered and died on our behalf. Praise God for that. This, this sin that we're talking about takes the lives of people daily worldwide. Without Christ's blood covering our sin, we will be judged. And we will experience the fullness of the wrath of God. I understand it is hard to hear that God is a God of love and a God of wrath. However, he is a just God. Only when we see how much God hates sin do we really understand how wonderful his mercy is. However, when I think of God's mercy, I'm reminded of the ocean. I love going to the beach and just watching the ocean. And you watch the waves as they hit the shore over and over and over again. And you just wonder, why is it not coming further? Why are we not getting hit by these waves? Why, why is it not just, why is there not a tidal wave each and every time that we see? Well, we know why. Proverbs 8.29 tells us why. It says, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might, trans, might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Scientists will point to the moon and to gravity to explain why the oceans work the way they work. But we know it's God's hand. It's his power that tells the ocean, no, you can't go beyond this. Now, are there times when things happen? Yes. But it is his merciful hand that not only holds the oceans back, but holds us in our seats as we're here today. It is his merciful hand that holds us here. In the same way that he's holding back the oceans, he is holding back and restraining the day of the Lord. His wrath burns hot for the wicked. 
He sees everything that goes on under the sun. He intimately knows the children that are aborted as he was fashioning them in their mother's womb. He intimately knows those souls who are being trafficked throughout our world. He intimately knows the murders, the thefts, the rapes. His wrath burns and is being restrained by his mercy right now. However, one day it will be released. Where are we in regards to this mercy? Are we in a position of eternal mercy and grace through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or are we in a state of temporary mercy? Is God's hand only being held back from destroying us for a time? I pray that each of us are experiencing God's eternal mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If not, I pray that you change that today. How might you change that today? By repenting of your sin, as Pastor Kenny so eloquently told us this morning. To put your faith in Jesus and Him alone. By handing over the reins of your life to the one who actually knows how to drive it. The one who designed the vehicle. By believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He suffered, that He died on the cross. And that three days later, He had the authority, as we heard this morning... He had the authority to raise his life back up again. And praise God, he now sits at the right hand of the Father. My friends, our time will come to meet our Savior face to face one day. We all have a time where we are appointed to die, and we all will face the great white throne judgment that we see in Scripture. I beg you not to walk out of here today unless you know without a shadow of a doubt, that you're ready to meet him face to face. I pray that you don't ignore God's mercy. And lastly, I pray that we don't ignore God's promises. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Praise be to God for that last part. He finally hammers down the action that we are to take in light of this dreaded great day of the Lord. After showing the reality of what the day of the Lord is, he asks this rhetorical question. In light of the coming day of the Lord, quote, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? As we wait the coming day of the Lord, we need to make sure that we are ready We also need to do our best to make sure others are ready, that we're sharing the gospel with those around us. This is not a spur toward works-based salvation, but it's a spur of preparation. We need to be prepared. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 44, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-4 states, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We just heard that, right? While people are saying there is peace and security, 
then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Is Peter talking to you when he says that? But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. He's talking to believers, those whose sins are covered by our wonderful, holy Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been reminded time and time again through the scriptures that God keeps his promises. May we be a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. I pray that we be a people who are joyous at the sight of the return of Jesus. We see in Philippians that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We were blessed to see someone this morning that did that. He did it voluntarily. And he will be blessed according to that, just like each one of you who have become believers voluntarily have. There will be a time, there will be a time where every knee will bow on heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Some will be forced. Those forced will suffer the day of the Lord. Will suffer from the wrath of the day of the Lord. I pray right now that we know that we have bowed our knee to our Heavenly Father, that we have said, not my will, but your will be done, that you are the Lord of my life, that I no longer hold the keys of my life, but that you do. I want us to really think about this last question. You can go into the final slide there. In light of the coming day of the Lord, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Are we prepared for the day of the Lord. Not, again, not in a matter of working for salvation. But are we prepared? Are we in the word? Are we praying? Do we love God? Have we checked our, our spiritual temperature? Where are we at? And even more so than that. How are we to this lost world. That is set to suffer the day of the Lord that we see there. Your neighbors. I've heard someone once say. Imagine that your neighbor's house is on fire. It is, and it will be, if it's not already. May we have a love for the lost, that we're willing to share the gospel. May we be those, those hands and feet to Jesus that are living godly and holy lives, so that we're able to share the gospel. So that people want to hear what we have to say, because they see something different in us. And may we be willing to say it, to put it into words. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the day of the Lord is a very tough,